If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your girl, Jessie Mae Peluso. How you living, how you loving, how you learning? Carlin, go get your bone and put it in the bed. Now, go. You know, I have three dogs. It equals one very challenged child. Everybody knows that. How are you doing? How is life? I hope you're well. We're back for another week of the Sharp Tongue Podcast. Oh shit, my knee just hit the microphone. Guys, we're off to a really rocky start. We've got dogs and mic issues. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a serious question. Have you been to my YouTube page? Bitch, don't you want to see my cute face? That's where you can see my face and all the other episodes that are on video. Go to youtube.com forward slash Jessie Mae Peluso. Tell your friends, tell your aunt, your cousin, and anybody else who might need some of my very, very experienced life advice, Jesse May Peluso over at YouTube. I appreciate you. And as well, you guys have to check out the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash, I think it's my name, Jesse May Peluso. Just check it out. It's there for your viewing pleasure. A lot of content, a lot of bonus episodes, and different fun things for you guys. And speaking of fun things... I got a fun thing this week. I got to tell you guys about an amazing new service I found called Fame, Famebridge. Not Famebridge. Framebridge. Famebridge is uh, where a lot of people jump off of. No. <laughs> Framebridge <laughs> makes it easier and more affordable than ever to frame your favorite things. Now, let me tell you something. They gave me an opportunity to use a service, and I really was impressed with the ease of their website, with the quality of their product, and how many options they had online. And I have this thing on my phone, I don't know if you guys do it, where I, I have a photo. I, I think I'm a professional photographer. Everyone obviously does. Hello, Instagram. Um, we, we get it. We see what you're doing. My friend Jason Collins had a really funny joke about everyone taking pictures of sunsets and thinking they're fucking photographers. Well, we all think we're a photographer. Why not enjoy that and frame it and put it in your household so people can go, oh my God, oh, that sunset is so beautiful. It's so gorgeous. You can use this site. It's amazing. They have so many options for frames, which I really wish that other companies had as many options as they had. They had different, all different kinds of walnut. I didn't know there were different walnuts. They had a few different walnuts on there, and I just thought walnut was its own little category of itself, but apparently there's a whole bunch of other options there. You can do a gallery wall, which you guys know. I've got a gallery wall now. I'm balling. I'm in the life where I have a gallery wall. You know you're wealthy if you have a gallery wall. Half of the stuff is from Marshalls, but don't front. You know that shit has a lot of cool art. My friend Chris, who's sitting on the chair right now, always makes fun of my Marshalls artwork. How dare you? 
How dare you? But from art prints, diplomas, we get it, Craig. You went to Yale. Uh, to the photos sitting on your phone, you can use FrameBridge just for about anything. Here's how it works. You just go to FrameBridge, not FameBridge, FrameBridge.com, upload your photo, or they can send you packaging safely to your house, to your physical address. If you have physical pieces that you want to send in, like canvases, they even frame like objects and things like that, which is pretty cool if you have dead parents like I do and you want to put their keepsakes in boxes. (laughs) If you have like a piece of your parent left and you want to keep it forever in a frame, use FrameBridge. You can preview your item online in dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. It's so easy to use. Honestly, if I can use it, you guys can use it. And the experts at FrameBridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door ready to hang. I've used it. I can tell you it's amazing. You guys know I don't like to hawk a lot of products on my page unless it's something that I use. So instead of hundreds, you guys will pay the framing store, which I've done in the past. Their prices start at 39 and all shipping is free. Come on. And you know my listeners are going to get 15% off their first order at framebridge.com when they use my very special code SHARP, S-H-A-R-P. Order online at framebridge, that's F. R-A-M-E-B-R-I-D-G-E dot com or stop by a FrameBridge store to work with a designer in person if you're in New York City, D.C., Hotlanta, Philly, Boston, or Chi-Town. And I hope you guys get started today. It's so amazing. You can frame your photos or keepsakes, like I said. Go to FrameBridge.com and use promo code SHARP to save an additional 15% off your first order. That's FrameBridge.com promo code sharp and back for another week are my friends at better help this spot this podcast is sponsored by better help online therapy we all know relationships take work especially the most important one the one with yourself and you know what i say i say it on stage i say it on the pod you'll never be able to love somebody else if you don't start with yourself i had to learn that myself and a lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about but very often We do that more than we do for ourselves. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well, but when it comes to our own self-love, we kind of lack in that department. So you got to think about how often do you really give yourself some really special treatment. And for me, I learned that going through loss with my parents. You guys know I've talked about it on the podcast probably at at exhaustion for you guys uh, to listening listening to me hear about my dead parents. But That's one of the reasons why I'm so grateful for this podcast because I had an outlet for it and I wish I would have known about BetterHelp because I probably would have used it to talk to somebody who could have directed my energies and emotions in a more focused platform in a more focused way. So this this month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you that you matter just as much as everyone else does. And therapy is a great way to make sure you guys show up for yourself. I know you hear the word therapy, and as a man, you're like, oh, I don't need any fucking therapy. That's for pussies. Well, let me tell you, I have one, and I need therapy. And I think it's pretty cool when men also go to therapy. And I think it's important for you to understand that the stigma is getting lifted, and to care for yourself is cool. So BetterHelp Online is just a really cool opportunity for you guys to get some resources and get some help. Um, you can use it on your phone. You can live chat, have live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you do or don't want to. And it's much more affordable and convenient than in-person therapy. 
and you can be matched with a therapist in under two hours. Let me tell you, you don't get anything in under two hours in this town in LA. It takes forever. I'm still waiting for my coffee from last week and they'll probably get it wrong and not pronounce my name right. And you guys should give it a try. See why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. And this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And Sharp Tongue listeners, you guys are going to get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Sharp. That's BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash Sharp, S-H-A-R-P. Give yourself some love. You deserve it. And once you start loving yourself, you'll be amazed at the amount of quality of the type of person who starts to come into your life. You build the quality from within and you will see it externally. I am a person who can speak to that from experience and you guys really deserve it. Put yourself first. It's not being selfish. It is being selfish, but in, in the best way possible. You can't pour from an empty cup. So use better help to fill yourself up. And speaking of filling yourself up, this episode, I'm very excited about our guest He is somebody who I have had the amazing opportunity to work with, to help fill my brain with goodness, to help me learn about what is good for my brain, what isn't good for my brain, and what I've been doing to sabotage myself and ways to change my habits so that I can have a happier life and a healthier life. And I learned so much about the brain after my dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I dug in because that's the way I deal with things is... I need things in my hands to occupy myself. So I dug in and and tried to educate myself. And I ended up finding this guy who you guys have also been lucky to hear speak on the podcast before. And we're so fortunate to have him back. He's the founder of Amen Clinics. He is a 12 times New York Times bestselling author. You guys can pre-order his latest book, which I can't wait to read, You Happier. It's out on March 22nd. You guys can get more information about that at at youhappier.com. He's a psychiatrist who changes people's brains. He's so amazing. I'm so happy to have him here this week. I hope you guys enjoy this episode with the one, the only, the brainiac himself, Dr. Daniel Amen. Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 You're listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse May Jessie. Peluso. It's a personal look. Well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary. A deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's going to get dirty. You might cry. You'll probably laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh. The whole point is for you to laugh, but you also might cry. I talk about my family. I talk about farts. farts. I talk about love, loss, comedy, how hard it is to make it in this biz. I'm a fucking professional. Each week it's something different. Sometimes I have a guest host. Sometimes it's going to be a movie companion episode. Sometimes I just ramble about the bullshit I dealt with the week before. You never know what you're going to get. It's raw, uncut, and funny. It's me. Hey, how are you? It's so good to see you. And the train's here. (laughs) And the train is coming. I am... (laughs) Great. It's so wonderful to see you. It's so wonderful to see you. Do all your interviews st- start with like a Mr. Rogers train in the background? Because if not, you should really brand that. That's quite lovely. No, you're special. <laughs> we already know that, right, Doc? I was reading the book you gave me before. Your brain is always listening. You sensitive a new book out, which we are going to get into, but I wanted to read a paragraph that leads me to my first question that I thought of. 
in the book, you say at Amen Clinics, we've been performing SPECT scans for 30 years and have built the world's largest database of brain scans related to mental health issues, totaling more than 175,000 scans on patients from 121 countries. And that led me to ask, what's the one thing that all brains have in common? It's an interesting question. I don't think I've been asked that before. Yes. Yes. That they all control everything you do. Mm. And when they work right, you do more of what you want to do. And when they don't work right, you get in your own way. And I have been a personal example of that. And, um, you know, you use brain imaging scans in your practice. Can you tell me a little bit about what we just mentioned about the spec scans and how you use them to treat those mental illnesses? So SPECT is a study that looks at blood flow and activity. It looks at how your brain works. It's different than a CAT scan or an MRI. They look at the structure of the brain. SPECT looks at how the brain functions. And it basically tells us three things good activity, too little, or too much. And then my job is to balance it. If it works too hard, I want to calm it down. If it doesn't work hard enough, I want to stimulate it. And most psychiatrists, virtually all psychiatrists, never use imaging because mm. they think they can make diagnoses based on symptom clusters with no biological information. And no other medical specialist act like that. And the brain is important. It's complicated. And if you don't look, you miss big things like past head injuries, like toxic exposure. Someone may be drinking too much. Um, you miss if their brain works too hard so you know to calm it down or if it's not working hard enough so you know to stimulate it. And if you guess wrong, you can hurt them. And so for the last 30 years, I've been trying to get psychiatrists to change the way they practice and act like most other doctors. 1979, when I told my dad I wanted to be a psychiatrist, he asked me why I didn't want to be a real doctor, why I wanted to be a <laughs> nut doctor and hang out with nuts all day long. And that hurt my feeling. And to be honest, my dad would never have got father of the year. But, but it makes sense when you think about it. It's like, why wouldn't psychiatrists who are responsible for your mind, which is created by your brain, assess the organ it treats? And, you know, nobody wants to be called mental. That shames mm -hmm. people. And I hate the term mental illness. Um, in fact, you know, one of the reasons I love working with you is I really am on a mission to change the whole paradigm away from mental illness to brain health. Yes. And you've probably noticed that as you love and care for your brain, your life is better. It's exorbitantly better. The clarity is the one thing that I've noticed 
the most for me since I have uh, started when, since I met you and, and, you know, we started the conversation about brain health and before, you know, mental illness was always the conversation. I know you're a big advocate for changing that stigma. And for me, when you say mental illness, it means that there's still something present that we need to deal with and need to make better. But when we're talking about mental health, that's a preventative measure. Would you agree? But, you know, I really love to change the conversation and eliminate the term mental illness. And I remember, you know, I've been blessed to, to see some really fun people, you, <laughs> Miley Cyrus, Justin Bieber. And Justin was having a really hard time. And he came into my office one day and it clicked for him. He said, I think I understand what you're trying to tell me. My brain is an organ like my heart is an organ. And if you told me I had heart problems, I'd do everything you said. Right. So I'm going to try to do most of what you say and get my brain better. And, you know, his level of stability is just been so much better in the last two years you know, I mean, he's someone that experienced worldwide fame, but also worldwide shame Yeah, and the level of stress. And they take young stars and they hurt them and management teams should do way better um, Amen. because fame wears out the pleasure centers in your brain. How ironic. It, <laughs> right. I mean, it's what people want. You'd think and, you'd love it, that love and that love would be so healthy for you. But the dark side of fame is something that we've seen publicly for these people who have it suffered. Hurts them. And yes. so, you know, if you're famous and you do a concert and your brain is releasing all that dopamine and it makes you just feel amazing. Well, afterwards, you can't settle down. And so you drink or you do marijuana or video games or bad food or rampant sex. All of those things pound your pleasure centers with dopamine. And pretty soon you wear them out mm. and they end up doing drugs not to feel high, but to stop feeling bad. Oof. And that probably rings true for a lot of people. And a lot of people, a majority, I would think, don't even realize that they're medicating with their habits. They don't even realize that what they're doing is, is uh, something that is purposeful, that they're trying to avoid something they don't even know that is broken within them. Um, I wanted to ask, this is a really good question that actually comes from your team, and it's right along the lines of what we're talking about, I think, with Justin Bieber specifically. How does happiness, when one becomes happy, how does that physically change the brain? What does that look like? So I actually did a study for this book. Um, I'm like, so I decided to write this book when I realized Americans were the unhappiest they have been since the Great Depression. And I'm like, well, there's a science to happiness and it's not what people think. So in the book, I actually talk about the lies of happiness. And then I'm like, well, can I find happiness in the brain? I do imaging. And so we gave 500 consecutive 
new patients Damon clinics, the Oxford happiness questionnaire. So on a scale of one to six, how happy are you? One is awful, six is maybe too happy. <laughs> and um, <laughs> then we compared their scans, the higher happiness group with the lower happiness group. And if you have low activity in your frontal lobes, you tend to be less happy, significantly mm. less happy. And so not allowing a child hit a soccer ball with their head, not letting children play tackle football, not allowing them to engage in behaviors that increase the risk of traumatic brain injuries or concussions or substance abuse, but really educating people that this front third of your brain is involved in happiness. And when it's not right, you're sad. And I did the big NFL study at a time when the NFL was lying, they had a problem. And my NFL players, so these are wildly famous, successful people, had four times the level of depression Ugh. as the general population. That is something that reminds me of the conversation we had when you were on the podcast last, was it two, almost two years ago now, the time has flown in this quarantine, where we discussed the percentage of um, mental health issues that were directly related to physical injury to the brain. And because of all the work that you've done with your imaging, you discovered that a majority of them can be linked to an actual physical injury of the brain. And I can never get out of my head what you said. And I'm sure a lot of your clients or however you want to call us, your, your brain, extended brain family members, essentially, uh, I can't get out of my head that you say that the brain is the consistency of soft butter. I tell everybody that, <laughs> even if I don't know them, if we're just in line and I'm like, hey, do you know, the? it's like that kid from, <laughs> from the movie with Tom Cruise. Remember that movie with Cuba Gooding Jr.? Uh, what was that? Oh, what was that movie called? See, this is where my brain health really comes into play. Uh, I bet you my assistant knows. Well, the kid's like, do you know the human head weighs eight pounds? I'm like that with the butter thing. Like, do you know the, the consistency of the brain is just like butter? <laughs> I guess one of my questions is when we're talking along the lines of depression is what is one of the besides physical injury, what is one of the most common causes of depression? Because with you, before you answer that, I wanted to let you know that you're one of the first people, professionals who really highlighted the fact that I actually was experiencing a depression and you could see it because of what my scan looked like. And that was not a, a personality trait or an experience I thought I would ever go through. I thought I was impervious to it. So to know that it was something that was visible to you as a professional was jarring to me and really is what was the pivotal moment for me going and doing something about it. But besides physical injury, what are some other causes of depression for people? So I always think of people in four big circles. Okay. They have a biology. And so there's a biology of depression. You might inherit it, but you could also have low thyroid or low omega-3 fatty acid level, which increases depression. You can be eating a pro- depression diet. So for example, one of the lies of happiness 
is happy meals make you happy. No, <laughs> they make you depressed. Or open happiness, which is Coca-Cola's slating. It's like, no, that's not scientifically correct. It should be open diabetes, open obesity, open heart disease, open cancer, open depression. So open a lot what, of hospital visits. Right. What we eat and drink. Um, concussion, as you mentioned, there's psychological causes of depression, especially people who have a high ant population. Ant stands for automatic Auto. negative thoughts, the thoughts yep. that come into your mind automatically and ruin your day. And most people have no ability to manage their mind. And uh, today, with all the things going wrong in the world, if you're not managing your mind, you're at very high risk to being depressed. And then there's social causes of depression. So biological, psychological, social. If you're lonely, that increases depression and the pandemic accelerated. That, if you're in a relationship filled with conflict and disconnection, that can fuel depression. Um, if you're out of work, if you don't have enough money to pay your bills, just think of what's going on in Ukraine. All of those things, uh, the chronic stress. And when you have untreated ADD, it's chronically stressful because yes. you're sort of late all the time or behind all the time or someone's mad at you because you're not doing the things you promised you'd do. On right. Forgot something. And so that chronically being bathed with stress hormones and many people have ADD play this game I call let's have a problem because they have low levels of dopamine and by poking other people well they get little dopamine shots but wow. ultimately it's it's not good I had this one patient that I just dearly loved and I was seeing her a couple of times a week because she was chronically suicidal and she'd start every session with how she's going to kill herself in the most violent ways. And after about six months of listening to this, I'm like, I need to scan you. And she had sleepy frontal lobes. And when I was showing her scans, I'm like, you need to stop talking about suicide because you know more going to kill yourself than I am because you have five children, you love them, you know, oh, by the way, I tell this to all of my patients, if you kill yourself, you've just gifted your children a 300% increased risk of them killing themselves because you're modeling. This is how grownups solve problems. So I grew up Catholic. I am not above using guilt uh, <laughs> to, to protect my patients. And, um, and I, I like you do that as a stimulant. It gets you upset. It gets me upset. Everybody's on edge. And it's sort of worth 10 milligrams of Ritalin. So why don't I give you Ritalin and see if we can get you to stop this excitement, conflict, negative seeking behavior. And it worked magically uh, for her. So we talked about biological, psychological, social, and then there's spiritual causes of depression. Mm. And most psychiatrists wouldn't touch this with a 10 foot pole because, you know, why would you have God when it comes to the brain? And yeah. What are you, some kind of witch doctor? Right. Um, but if you lack 
a deep sense of meaning and purpose. If you have no clue why you're here, you just believe we're here for random chance and your life doesn't matter, you're much more likely to get depressed. Mm. And so getting well is we want to optimize your brain. We want to discipline your mind, work on improving your connections and getting you in touch with your deepest sense of meaning and purpose. And that brings me to a specific question. What is one habit you recommend for cultivating happiness out of all these things that cause depression, which is a, an a endless list? Well, you know, I talk about in the book, there's seven neuroscience secrets. And with those go seven questions. Um, and I think out of all of them, I mean, once you get your brain healthy, because without a healthy brain, you can do all the software programming and it's not nearly as effective. Once you get your brain healthy, when you go to bed at night, ask yourself what went well. So when I go to bed and I do it every night, it's my favorite habit of all the habits I talk about. Uh, I say a prayer and then I go, what went well today? And as soon as I close my eyes, I go to waking up in the morning and I just start looking for what I loved about my day. Mm. And I put my, and I'm usually asleep by the time I get to lunch. And it sets your dreams up to be more positive. So your sleep is better, which means tomorrow will be better because sleep is a critical happiness habit. Oh, sleep has become one of my favorite tools. I am, you know, in the entertainment industry where sleep when you're dead is a very common saying around the industry or, you know, work hard, play hard. And I've been a victim to that mindset. And I've bought that mindset for so many years and have suffered the ramifications of that. And now the days I, I know I need about eight hours and I'm very cognizant of the fluctuations in my day to day now because of all the implementation I have done with different habits that are healthy, that if one of them is missing or off, or I don't get as much as I normally do, there's a real direct correlation between my clarity, mood, focus, and general mental health of that day. So sleep is just one of my favorite things in the world. And I don't feel guilty about it anymore. Um, the one thing that I wonder what which plays into this, how it plays into happiness and someone achieving happiness is in this world where social media and technology is ever present. How can people balance that and still maintain a healthy, happy brain? You know, I want to go back to feeling guilty anymore because I want you to actually feel guilty when you don't get sleep. Oh, wow. Okay. Th this is turning what people usually think of. It's turning the mindset toward the sun. It's turning the mindset toward health. That Drew Carey said it best about food that he said eating crappy food isn't a reward, it's a punishment. Mm. And feeling guilty about sleep is silly feeling guilty when you didn't get sleep now that's smart because okay, so smart. you're gonna kick your own butt when you don't do the right thing 
And yes. it's this mindset thing where people go, oh, everything in moderation. Oh, you know, you're working really hard. So you don't really need sleep. You're invincible. You're special. And it's like, no, you're not invincible. And that's stupid. And so, uh, so encouraging yourself, coaching yourself to do the right things, that's love. Mm. Yeah. Giving yourself I, an excuse to do the wrong thing, that's bad parenting. Right. That's and an, ultimately, it, you are your own parent now, right? Right. I mean, after you're yes. an adult and, or your own coach, and are you a good coach or a bad coach? And I encourage my patients to talk to themselves with love. Good coaches notice what you do right um, and praise you, and they notice what you do wrong and they teach you. They don't beat you. That's a bad coach. And so knowing the right habits and then really like when you get eight hours of sleep, when you crawl in bed early and as an entertainer, you're often performing at night. And so that amps you up and then makes it harder to sleep. But knowing that it's like, okay, what are the habits I can put around that? to protect myself. Miley is just such a great example. I just saw her perform mm-hmm. at the, uh, what used to be called the Staples Center. I called it the Crypto Center now. Yeah, the and, Crypto.com Center. <laughs> oh my goodness. And she was so great. But she's developed habits where she doesn't have to use substances to take her down. Yeah. It- that she knows how to manage her mind and calm herself down with her breathing. So she's going to have to be up late, but she doesn't have to do the other things that hurt her. And that's something that I have slowly started to, you know, at first it's like you have to say it over and over to create that habit. And then the habit just becomes a part of your routine. And it's taken a while to sort of get things going, but I hear myself now like, what you just said is what's happening where I know if I have a late show, I've got to really consider what am I going to do so that the next day can be just as successful and productive. And, you know, sometimes I, I do enjoy a tequila or something a little bit before the show. And that's something that I also am working with and working on balancing that out. And when I know I have to get up early, I'm like, well, I don't really need this. The tequila seems to be a little bit of a, I don't know, a buffer, maybe a pacifier or a way to deal with my nervousness. I'm not really doing this because I enjoy it. I'm doing it because I think I need it. So that's a huge step to, uh, uh, you know, realizing what habits I've been doing and why I've been doing them and actually having a conversation about it instead of just going and doing it. And it, I had this thought today when I knew I was going to talk to you and it's, I know, I kind of know what you're going to say or how you're going to think about it, but (laughs) (laughs) a thought will come in my mind like, oh, you're 39. Shouldn't you figure this out by now? All of these things that have to do with your brain and why, um, I guess it, it makes me ask, you know, for people out there who may not have access to 
an amazing psychiatrist like yourself and somebody who really is forward thinking in his field and taking risks and wanting to break stigma about the brain. What can people who are your average Joe or Jane do to take some steps in recognizing the patterns that they have that aren't so healthy for them and, and, and step into a life of realizing happiness for themselves? Because I feel I the career I've built has given me the amazing access to someone like you. Not everybody has that. that well, that's you know, sort of I've, in. I've written 40 books, so everybody has access to the information. Um, and the things I talk about in You Happier are things you and I talk about. Um, the tequila is a habit. So it mm. actually doesn't sound like you need it so that you get rid of the jitters. I mean, diaphragmatic breathing will give you the same feeling uh, or a meditation or hypnosis or GABA calming. Um, that breathing app? Yeah. It's a, I have a brand new app coming in just a couple of weeks called you uh, called Happy Brain. And Ooh. it has actually multiple breathing sessions, one to put you to sleep, one to calm you down quickly. Um, it's got two minutes to break a panic attack. I'm really excited about it. But that sounds for, like a record you, time. I would, I would see the tequila as a habit. And you just want to, one of the questions in the book, and I love this question so much. It's, I call this, this is the mother tiny habit. Uh, the biggest, the most important of all of the smallest things you can do today to make the biggest difference. It's when you go to do something, so we'll just take the tequila, just ask yourself, good for my brain or bad for it? Is this good for my brain or bad for it? And if you can answer that question with information and love, love of your brain, love of yourself, love of your skin, love of your immune system. My liver. Um, love of your liver. Uh, there's got to be a comedy routine in this somewhere. They're really, um, I'm like literally thinking the same thing. You're <laughs> you, and I, you and I should write that together. We should. That would be a lot of fun. I have so many things when I lecture that people just love. Like, you know, Freud was wrong. Penis envy is not the cause of anybody's problem. Brain envy. They're like two and a half feet too low. Um, or the brain is the largest sex organ in the body. People don't really understand that. But, you know, if you have no forethought, there's no foreplay. Anyways. Um, I really, I'm going to write those down and put them on like a little <laughs> coaster for people to put their drinks on that are not alcoholic in this household. <laughs> Right. Is that good for your brain or bad for it? The biggest blog I wrote last year is called I Told You So. And for 30 years, I've not just not been a fan of alcohol because it damages your brain. People who drink every day have a smaller brain. And when it comes to the brain, size matters. And so um, the American Cancer Society came out last year and said you shouldn't drink because any alcohol is associated with an increased risk of seven different kinds of cancer. And the stress from cancer clearly is bad for your brain. And so it's like, okay, why am I doing this? Does it serve me? And are there alternatives so that I can get the same benefit? 
And most people, because they don't know how to manage their minds, they have this high ant population, their minds are infested with negativity. They drink basically to get the ants drunk so they'll shut up. Right. But there's other ways, like whenever you feel sad or mad, write down what you're thinking and just ask yourself if it's true. And in this new book, there's... um, a fun technique. It's new. It's the first time I put it in a book. I learned it from my friend, Dr. Stephen Hayes, who said, give your mind a name. That's right. Mine's George. And when you give your mind a name, you can gain psychological distance from the chatter in your head. And I named my mind after my pet raccoon. When I was 16, I really had a pet raccoon. And she was a (laughs) troublemaker. And I loved her, but she used to TP my mother's bathroom. She ate my sister's goldfish out of her aquarium. Um, she'd leave raccoon poo around. The, and this is my mind. It just is trouble. And so, you know, mostly Hermie, that's the name of my mind, behaves. But when she doesn't behave, I sort of put her in her cage. And I'm like, you know, I don't need to listen to you. And were you good at talking back? to your parents when you were a teenager? What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I I, made a career out of it. (laughs) I was excellent. But nobody ever taught me to talk back to myself. I was 28 years old and in my psychiatric residency when one of my professors said, you have to teach your patients they don't have to believe every stupid thing they think. And I'm like, well, nobody ever told me I don't have to believe every stupid thing I think. And that just opened up a whole world of emotional freedom. That really does. When you, you know, I read this book, An Untethered Soul, and it kind of goes into visualizing yourself and what you think and say as a separate entity, like you're witnessing that. And a lot of what you teach also is that sort of ideology where, you know, the ants are something that you're aware of. These thoughts come in and you're aware of them and you're taking note of them instead of them sort of driving the ship. Um, I have a, a personal question for you that I was thinking of as you were talking, because I know you are a father and you're a husband as well. I wonder um, something that I thought of uh, a fellow brainiac said, Jim Quick. Are you familiar with Jim Quick? I love Jim. Jim's great. He said, external words become internal words. And that always sticks with me, especially, you know, as a someone who has, um, you know, trauma and everything surrounded around growing up in a tumultuous home, being a young girl, you're susceptible to everything. And so my question is you as a father and a psychiatrist, you know, so much, you know, so much about being a parent and you know, so much about the brain. How do you balance that as a professional and a father in the way you raise your children? Because you know they're going to hear things and you know the effects that that has on their brain. How do you balance that and sort of not have your own existential anxieties around it since you know so much and are aware of the ramifications? You know, that's actually a great question. I adopted our two nieces about two years ago. Um, 
currently they're 12 and 17 and both of their parents are addicts and it, it was just chronic stress. And at one point they said, can we come live with you? Oh. And we said, yes. And these kids are at an incredibly high risk for mental illness in their genetics. They have suicide, bipolar disorder, addiction, depression, um, and they were raised in chaos. You know, genes load the gun, but what happens to us tends to pull the trigger. And they were raised in chaos with multiple moves. And uh, five years ago, Child Protective Service took them into foster care. Mm -hmm. And I, I know the risk. And so I'm a lot more hands-on supervising them like if one of my kids decided to vape, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be happy. But when the 17 year old decided to do that, I'm like, no, this is, this is a gateway for big problems for you. And so I find myself needing to set clear boundaries and mm. at the same time, you know, the homework they get from me is write down a hundred of your worst thoughts and I'm going to teach you how to get rid of them. And during the pandemic, I go around the house and I have all these sayings, but I'm like, okay, who survives a pandemic? And they would answer <laughs> people who are flexible uh, <laughs> because that's who survives a pandemic. You have to be yep. flexible. And so um, you know, maybe a blessing for them and a little bit of a curse, but, um, you know, if you know what they're in for, um, you know, my anxiety is appropriate and, you know, I often yes. talk about that, um, people with low levels of anxiety die early from accidents and preventable illnesses. I used to think my job as a psychiatrist was to lower people's anxiety. Like I love hypnotizing people because people just feel so relaxed. I love teaching meditation and diaphragmatic breathing. Um, but then I realized I need to scare some of my patients <laughs> because <laughs> they don't have enough anxiety. And when you saw your scan, you're like, Oh, this could be better. And yeah, you my lantern scan gives you motivation <laughs> to be better because there's like, oh, I don't want dementia. And, you know, I want a good career for a long time, which yeah. means I got to get my brain as healthy as it can be because then I can do the business part of being an entertainer. Too many entertainers rely on other people. Because they just want to be creative, but they end up not being very good CEOs of their own companies. Exactly. And I love to activate someone's frontal lobe so they can be the CEO. Secret number seven, so important. It's live each day based on clearly defined values, purpose, and goals. And mm. so... I have my patients do this exercise called the one page miracle on one piece of paper, write it down. What do you want? And then you ask yourself every day, does my behavior get me what I want? So I'm not ever telling anybody you should do this or you should do that. Right. I mean, God said you shouldn't go to the tree 
in the book of Genesis. The next scene, they're at the tree. So they're chilling. um, If God would have said, she's going to wear clothes. If you go to the tree and eat of the forbidden fruit, Adam probably would have said, no, I'm not going. Nah, um, not for me. I want to see some skin. I want to see some <laughs> Genesis skin. <laughs> um, well, speaking of biting the apple, uh, we have some fan questions that are essentially going to be your apple. Would you mind taking a bite of some of these questions? Certainly. Okay. Uh, Beatrix Clutter asks, what are your thoughts on treating depression and anxiety and PTSD with psilocybin? You know, I'm not a huge fan. Um, I think psilocybin can be helpful for some people. I think it's a huge fad. And I would never start with that. I would Mm. always start with looking at your brain, working to get it healthy, getting your diet right, getting your thoughts right, getting your supplements and nutrients right, working on your relationships, making sure you have a clear sense of purpose and um, values and goals. And if all the things I do don't work, then I would think about it. It would Mm. be in the list but it's like electroconvulsive therapies, not at the top of the list. Right. I mean, I'll use it if I can't get someone to stop being suicidal. And psilocybin would be on the list, sort of like ketamine treatment. But it's not first on the list. And oh, by the way, I've never seen it fix somebody. I've seen it be helpful for people, but I've never seen it. Like I was just listening to Will Smith's autobiography. And he did ayahuasca 14 times, which in my mind means, well, it didn't stick. If you're doing it 14 times. <laughs> or, he enjoy- or he really met somebody on the other side that he's got a crush on. <laughs> he's got a crush on one of his spirit guides. Let's be real. <laughs> 14 times. Wow. I do really appreciate your openness, though. And it's one of the reasons why I think you're just so... Uh, you're a revolutionary in that sense where you are open to things and you have such a, um, a just a really wonderful approach to how you speak and, and, and how you choose to word your responses. And I really appreciate that. Um, here's a interesting question. Anne believable asks, how can you be calm and not stutter? It's a very loaded question. So, I'm interested to see what your response to that is. I think there's a lot going on that maybe we don't have all the information for. Well, stuttering is a big problem for a lot of people. And when you get anxious, your stuttering generally gets worse. And so sometimes working with a voice coach, because what we found with stutterers is when they sing, they don't stutter. And so figuring out a way to both calm yourself and that's breathing. There's actually a brand new study I just saw today. Remember when we talked about breathing four seconds in, hold it for a second, eight seconds out. So you want to take twice as long to breathe out as you breathe in. And so for a stutter, if you can just be aware of your breathing and maybe twice a day for three minutes at a time, 
is practice that breathing rhythm, it'll help you so much. So that when you're in a situation where you might stutter, you can calm your nervous system ahead of time. I'm much more aware of that now. And I, it's almost like when I'm short, breathing shortly or shallow, I can, I sense it and I stop myself and then I do the breathing exercise. And it is probably the quickest way that I've tried and used that has calmed me down in those moments. Um, Shivi Chinapapa. Anxiety is curable without medicine. Only therapy. Okay. I, that question is strange. Sorry about that. Um, Ladia asks how to overcome brain fog from general anesthesia and multiple surgeries. Wow. So people don't know about that. I didn't know about that when I went through my training. And one day, one of my patients who had been an alcoholic and I had her troubled brain beforehand, but then I had it four months later after she stopped drinking and did my program, her brain was healthy. And then she had knee surgery and general anesthesia and called me up a couple of weeks later, crying her eyes out and said, I think I have Alzheimer's disease. I can't think, I can't remember things. I'm repeating myself. And when I scanned her, her brain was toxic again and she hadn't picked up drinking. And I'm like, oh, should I be paying attention to general anesthesia and the impact on the brain? And then I wow. went to PubMed, um, houses all the scientific studies from the National Library of Medicine. And there's a food fight among anesthesiologists on whether or not anesthesia hurts the brain and for vulnerable people. So you met my assistant, Karen, who I love. She's and amazing. Karen had an aortic aneurysm repair, an eight-hour surgery. Well, I have her original brain. It was big fat. And then I noticed after her surgery, she was depressed and she wasn't following through. And, um, you know, most bosses would have just been unhappy and let the person go. Well, for me, I mean, I love her and I'm like, okay, what's going on with your brain? And it had damaged her brain. And so hyperbaric oxygen can help repair it. Um, certain supplements can really support your brain. Um, I make something called Brain and Body Power Max that I really like a lot to support the brain. That's what I used in my NFL study. Um, but those two things, get the right supplements. And I have a book called Memory Rescue, um, mm. that if your brain is in trouble, that would be the first of my books I would read. I, as you're talking, I am reminded and astounded again at how many books you've written. How, how have you written so many books? <laughs> I'm consistent. I wrote my first book in 1982. So I've had a lot. That's when I was born. Like 40 years ago. And wow. I love writing. And probably the last 20 years, I've written a book, a book a year. And I just, I love writing. Um, and I think what does society need? Happiness. And what, what am I interested in? I'm like, what can I spend a year writing about happiness? And then a couple of years talking about it. Absolutely. I have a new show on public television, You Happier. Um, and if people order, pre-order the book, they go to youhappier.com. They actually can get, we haven't talked about supplements yet, but they can get a free bottle of happy saffron 
um, and That's our 30 awesome. day happiness challenge. So you happier.com. I'll make sure to put that into the show notes. Um, are you cool with a couple more questions? Yes, ma'am. Awesome. Bananas in the pocket asks, um, does whiplash cause brain damage? Which I think is a very interesting question. Whiplash has happened dozens of times. Brain is me. soft. Brain is soft about the consistency like of soft butter. It's like butter. <laughs> Skull is really hard and has sharp bony ridges. Even if you never lose consciousness, if you take this soft brain and a really hard skull and you snap it, that's not good. It can right. cause damage to the brain and frequently does. And nobody knows about it because they think it's a neck problem and not a brain problem. It does feel like a neck problem, but you're right. If you hit your head, what about when someone faints and say they faint and they don't hit their head? Can the very act of fainting, does that have any sort of residual effect on the brain? Well, just think of the forces falling down. What's going to happen inside your skull is your brain is going to shake. And we know shaken baby syndrome, for example, can cause long-term cognitive and emotional damage in children, which is so unfair, oh, right? And who's out here shaking babies, man? Oh, it just hurts my soul. Yeah, unfortunately, it hurts my soul. It's, yeah, it's awful. It's brutal. Um, M Navarro one asks, what happens to people with 30 years of migraines? That's a very interesting question. So migraines, there are all sorts of causes for it, but two your reader, your listeners might not know about is low vitamin B2. So taking 400 milligrams of vitamin B2 has been shown to help a lot of migraine sufferers. And the other thing is called the Erlen syndrome, I-R-L-E-N, which is a visual processing problem. And people can just go to Erlen, I-R-L-E-N.com and take a self-test and see if they have it. And wearing colored filtered lenses can make a dramatic wow. positive difference for them. That's amazing. Um, this question, I really can't wait for the answer for if you have a, a compact <laughs> response to this, because I feel like it's going to be a similar thing where there's so many causes. Nicole, Nicolu98 asks, what are some tips for OCD? So OCD is not one thing. It's one of the things I learned in the brain. For example, checkers, people who have to check repeatedly, even though they know they checked, um, tend to have too much activity in the front part of their brain, where hoarders, people collect everything, have too little activity in mm. the front part of their brain. So look at your brain. That's really important. But the more you give in to a habit, the more likely you are to give into the habit. The more you mm -hmm. give into it, the more you strengthen it, the more you say no. So we were talking about tequila earlier. The, the more you give into it, the more your brain is just going to associate before show, we do this, boom. Um, and the more you go no, the first 10 times you'll be anxious about it and then you won't care about it. So with people who have brains that work too hard, serotonin interventions, so like SSRIs, Prozac, Paxil, Zoloft, Lexapro, um, can be helpful. 
or supplement options like 5-HTP. Uh, saffron can be really helpful. So I always think, you know, biologically, what can I do? Behaviorally, what can I do? Skills, not just pills. Yeah. And I love that also about you is when we sat down, you said I'd be a perfect candidate for Redolin, but you were like, let's try this another route. Let's give this a real go. So again, another reason why I just think you're the bee's knees. Um, here's another question. This is from D Rancic. What are the five habits everyone should have? I feel like you do have a lot of teachings and lists and ways to go about things. So feel free to answer this in any numerical way you want. Well, let me give you the seven and you happier. The Perfect. Um, Perfect segue. Seven secrets of feeling good based on your brain type. So secret number one is know your brain type. Everybody's different. What makes one person happy jumping out of an airplane will make an other person miserable. Yes. So um, there are five primary brain types, balanced, spontaneous, persistent, sensitive, cautious, know yours in the book. I tell people how to know their type and ask yourself every day. Am I doing something today that makes me uniquely happy? So I have this sensitive type and connecting with people I care about like you makes me happy. Um, two is optimize the physical functioning of your brain. So the habit is Every time I do something, is this good for my brain or bad for it? Three is supplement your brain. I take my supplements every day. Everybody should take a multiple vitamin, high dose, high quality fish oil, optimize their vitamin D level, likely a probiotic. And then it really depends on your brain type. Four, only love food that loves you back. Now, mm. you and I have both been in bad relationships in the past and I'm 67. I am just not doing that anymore. I'm married Done. to my best friend and I'm damn sure not doing it with food because I can control what I put in my mouth and people go, but I love sugar. Yeah. But it beats you up. And why would you ever be in a bad relationship if you could help it? It's pro-inflammatory. It's addictive. Uh, makes you stupid. So I love five. that. You need a billboard that I don't want to <laughs> cut you off. But you need a billboard of your face. Just says sugar makes you stupid. <laughs> I think that's amazing. Okay, number five. <laughs> five is master your mind and gain psychological distance from the noise in your head. And the question is, is it true? Whenever your thoughts come from all sorts of places, they come from your ancestors, they come from the music you listen to, the news you watch, they come from social media, which you asked me about earlier and I never answered. Um, <laughs> you found something more interesting, important. It's okay. Thoughts come from all sorts of places. And just because you have a thought has nothing to do with whether or not it's true. It's not the thoughts you have that make you suffer. It's the thoughts you attach to mm -hmm. that make you suffer. So learn how to manage your mind. And the little habit, is it true? Plus, start every day with today is going to be a great day. And as I talked about earlier, end every day with what went well today. So this conversation is going to make it in the highlight reel tonight. <gasps> yes. um, 
Six, I love six so much. Notice what you like about other people more than what you don't. Mm. If you really want to have personal power, reinforce the behaviors you like rather than the behaviors you don't like. Um, I know like how positive to make reinforcement. Well, I know how to make my wife yell at me. I know how to make her mad. I know how to make her disgusted. I know how to make her miserable. And I just don't choose to go there because I don't want to be miserable. And sad. You're a smart man. And I don't <laughs> want her to be. So I inhibit a lot of the thoughts that just pop up in my head. And I tend to notice what I like a lot more than what I don't like. And so that's the question. Am I reinforcing behaviors I like or dislike in others today? And then seven, the habit is, does it fit? Does mm. my behavior fit the goals I have for my life? But you have to write down your goals. Yes. And neither you or I want to do our work for like three months and then we're done. We want to do it for a long time because we love it. And so does this fit with the goals I have. And a lot of the thoughts I have don't fit with my goals. And so inhibiting, and that's what your frontal lobes do. They inhibit you from doing things that don't serve you. Can we just talk quick um, about the four basic things everyone needs to be happy? So you need a healthy brain. You need a mind that you master. You need connections and you need purpose. And those are things that people really, you know, each day, like you said, if, if it's something where you need to write that down to know where you're starting from, we already spoke about the importance of writing down your goals. This visualization for me is the only thing, one of the, one of the most important things that helps me achieve the goals. And then I check it off and I feel so fucking good when I get to put a line through it especially if it's one of those big goals. I have them all written down on the side of my refrigerator. I have my main goals, like my big career goals, writing a book, a script, working on my comedy special and um, writing a, a book of poetry. Those are all on the side of my fridge. And then under that, you know, those signs that say, but first coffee. Well, mine says, but first meditation, journaling, exercising, Italian crosswords and getting some sun. And that's kind of, I look at that every day and I, if, if one thing isn't checked, it's like a Jenga, you pull the, you know, you don't, you, you have, you take out one piece or your one piece is missing. The whole thing's going to fall apart. So it is, you know, it's, it's so important to visualize those things. Um, I know we're going to go soon. We've talked a lot about ants. Um, and you mentioned, you know, having ants yourself. What are, what are some of your ants and what are, things people can do. Cause I think this really leads into happiness and we can also mention your book and where everyone can find it. What are some things people can do to combat those ants first? And what are some ants that you've had yourself? If well, you'd be the, willing mother to share? Ant, the mother ant is I'm not enough. I mean, when you get Justin and Miley and so many of the just incredible people I've been able to see and you ask them, what are the negative thoughts you have? I'm not enough is always in the top five. Mm. And when you question it 
and flip it. I love the flipping part. I am enough. And then you go, well, how are you enough? And then you just list the things that you've done that have been cool that make you feel enough. It helps to kill or eliminate that ant. Um, you know, I used to think I wasn't smart enough to change psychiatry because it needs like an overhaul. And then um, I realized, well, I am doing it. With We have 10 clinics. Uh, we see about 10,000 patient visits a month. And I'm like, okay, you can let that thought go. <laughs> uh, people can yeah, find the 40 us. books. <laughs> yeah. People can find us at amenclinics.com. Amen like the last word in a prayer, clinics.com. But if they pre-order the book and it's doing great that's right awesome now that, that makes me very happy um they can go to you happier.com you happier.com and get all sorts of cool free gifts are there any parting words you want to say to people who have listened today uh, maybe the first step into them becoming happier or anything that you would like to leave on well you make me happier you look <laughs> so much healthier and I feel it. And you, you know, I've just so enjoyed our relationship. And uh, when, I have when you engage in, you know, we often will call it the brain warrior's way. When you engage in it, um, everything in your life can be better. So it really can. Thank you for being on this journey with me. Thank you for taking time and, and loving me and teaching me how to love my brain. It's changed my life. It's a consistent um, exercise and it's something that I practice daily. And I think about you often. I think about you and your wife often. And I'm truly so grateful for you taking your time out and spending and sharing your your joy and your education with us. It's, it is truly uh, amazing and admirable. And I love you. I love you. And back. tell people again, tell where your book and where they can get it. So you happier.com uh, would be great. And amenclinics.com. And they can follow us on TikTok and Instagram and all those fun places. He's on TikTok, y'all. Making your brain cool. Thank you so much, Doc. I appreciate it. And I'll email you this Friday. All right, Jessamy. Bye. Bye. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.